Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Syracuse survives an 85-84 win over Bryant. Marks the Orange first game of the 2020 season. A 1-0 start for Syracuse. Ian Unsworth and John Eads here to break it all down for you on Fizz Final. John's postgame story is already up on the website at orangefizz.net. Also, you can check out his tweets during the game on our Twitter at orangefizz. John, what'd you see? Because this this was a nail-biter all the way through. Well, Cardiac Cuse wasting no time uh, getting going here. Just one game in and Already Syracuse almost gets embarrassed against a Bryant team that's from the Northeast Conference that, and I said this in my article too, I didn't even know that was a conference. So the Bulldogs certainly earned some respect today, but for Syracuse, I mean, wow, this is not a good look for the team. Uh, I think the Bryant up-tempo pace today, the aggressiveness getting after it on transition, and Syracuse's lack of hustle, I guess, is just very concerning. Uh, And the fact that Bayheim said at halftime that, you know, the team isn't prepared to play this game, shouldn't have played this game. Uh, I mean, what? <laughs> what are you saying, Jim? Uh, yeah, I'm confused because they obviously had to take time off from practicing after Bayheim tested positive for COVID-19. And yes, it makes sense that the players might be out of basketball game shape. But as you said, this is Bryant. This is a team that finished ninth last year with a 15-17 and 17 record and had to fill nine roster spots this year. Like, what? It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. And it really starts for me, and you you hit the nail right on the head, John. It starts for me at the top of the zone. Syracuse could not contain Bryant. Charles Price got anything he wanted, along with Michael Green III. Those dudes were easily splitting the top two, whether it be Bayheim and Gerard, or when Kadari Richmond was thrown in there as well. Those guys offered no resistance. The Bryant guards got whatever they wanted. And then you also mentioned the pace. Dude, in transition, Bryant was absolutely killing the cues because they were just pulling up three after three after three after three. Chris Childs hit four like four by himself in the first half that just kept extending that Bryant lead. In the, the first half, Syracuse looked completely lost. 51 points for Bryant in the first half. I mean, last year, first game Syracuse played against Virginia, neither team even hit 50, I don't think. I mean, just a a tale of two season openers. You know, Bryant's a a good lacrosse school, and they certainly looked like they were playing lacrosse. They got the ball off a Syracuse miss, and they just got after it in transition. Like you said, they found their outlets. They got down the floor as quick as possible, and they were on fire from three. I mean, they ended up shooting 35%, but they hit 13 of those, and I mean, over half, at least, were just wide-open looks because Syracuse was behind. They were scrambling on defense. It looked like the guys didn't know where to fill, where to rotate, and Bryant just got so many open looks. Chris Childs, 5 of 9 from 3, 18 points today leading the way for Bryant. Yeah, and Syracuse didn't control the tempo of the game for one second. It was a breakneck pace. It was too fast, I think, for the Orange because... We saw them play their best basketball when they were able to move the ball a bit in the half court, and then Buddy Bayheim got a little driving look, or Quincy Garrier got the ball down low. That's how the Orange really created some production in the first half, and then in the second half, it seemed like they 
grew into the game a bit and finally found their rhythm, but it was it was sloppy basketball. And I think the main the main perpetrator of this sloppy basketball for the Orange was Joe Girard. He was two for thirteen today, John. What? That's, not that like should him. not be happening. I mean, yeah. Joe Girard had some rough games last year, but to come out and play like this in the season opener, and not only was it two for 13, it was one assist to two turnovers. And there were plenty of more, plenty more times when Girard threw a wild pass that got deflected out of bounds, but luckily it was still orange ball, or Girard's passes were off target. Stuff like that that just really disrupted the flow of the offense I was not impressed from what I saw out of the sophomore from Glens Falls. Yeah, the birthday boy certainly did not play well on either end of the floor, really. We already talked about Syracuse struggling in the zone, closing out, contesting shots. And on the other side, he just didn't look comfortable. There were times where he just he was trying to do a move the, this one time, and then he just kind of like gave the ball right to the defender. And then, you know, when he's getting in transition, last year we saw it all the time. His first look is Buddy Beheim on the wing for the three. They just didn't have that kind of chemistry today. Maybe it's because of the lack of practice. But, I mean, you guys, they were also practicing for the entire summer. So, I mean, just not practicing for a few days in a row shouldn't kind of... And they also played the entire season last year, mind you. So, just missing a few days of practice shouldn't be this detrimental to the team. But, boy, he really proved how crucial he is to this team because he had, like, zero production today. He had zero points with nine minutes to go in the game. That was tweet-worthy. I mean, so, him not scoring any points clearly is a detriment to this team. He finally uh, hit 1-3 there late to kind of push the orange into the lead, but only ended up with six points and three turnovers, like you said. Just a very sloppy performance from Joe. Yeah, but speaking of scoring, Buddy Bayheim really carried the load today for the orange. He hit two big threes to really bring the orange back into the game midway through the second half. He finished with 23, also four assists and a couple of boards, three boards for Buddy Bayheim. Merrick Dolzhai also put up a career-high 20, and then he finished with six boards. Quincy Garrier... 15 and 12, Alan Griffin, 14 and 12, and I was really impressed from what I saw with those four dudes. Both uh, Dolajai, it really seems like he's taken that step forward to be more of a playmaker and be more of a complete offensive player. Instead of, you know, in years past, he's just kind of passed the ball off, been pretty sheepish when he's had the ball, but today he very he seemed very confident and assertive on the floor. And the stat line just backs up that claim. The 20 points, like you mentioned, six boards, nine assists, and then also five steals. I mean, the Syracuse full-court press was lethal in the beginning of the game. And, uh, well, I don't know if I remember him stealing it five times, but he did. And nine assists on top of that. I mean, this is a guy playing power forward and center for most of the game. And nine assists, that's very impressive. Uh, and someone we haven't talked about is Barama Sidibe. Only played about four minutes there in the first half and then left. Didn't end up returning. And... Boy, Syracuse really missed him down low. Hall, Elijahs for Bryant just absolutely dominated under the rim. Yeah, Elijahs had, uh, I, I don't know what the official count is, but it had to be upwards of six blocks. He was he was packing Syracuse players left and right. And, John, you're, you're completely in the right there when you say that Syracuse was outmanned down low until Elijahs fouled out with about six minutes left in the second half. Then Dolajai kind of had his way, and Garrier really stepped up in the second half. You know, he scored 10 points, I believe, in about five minutes in the, in the run where Syracuse made their way back into the game. That was huge, especially because Garrier was a non-factor in the first half. 
And then one other thing that just stuck out at me is the fact that Alan Griffin seemed to do everything on the floor. He did absolutely everything, whether it was scoring putbacks, rebounding the ball. He was everywhere on the glass today. And that alley-oop jam. Oh, my Lord. What about that alley-oop jam? That made me stand up, man. I was excited yeah. when I saw that. And that's something, man, that makes me love basketball. And make me, I'm just so excited that it's back, even though this was such a rough game for Syracuse. Yeah, Ian, I'm expecting to see that play tomorrow morning on SportsCenter or Sunday morning, whenever it is, on the top 10 plays. That was something. Uh, you know, that's usually something you do when you're, you know, blowing a team out. But <laughs> that actually tied the game at 80. So, uh, Syracuse definitely needed that play. I was very impressed with Griffin as well. 14 and 12. He was up and down at times. You know, he turned the ball over twice, had a couple, you know, interesting decisions, we'll say. But he and Garrier were on the floor for the, you know, basically the entire second half. It, whereas in the beginning of the game, it was, you know, Gary in for Griffin and then, you know, the other way around. So, you know, if Sadibe's injury is serious, do you think they continue with Gary and Griffin on the floor at the same time? Yes, absolutely. Alan Griffin earned a starting spot today whether it's for Joe Girard or it's for the injured Barama Sidibe and then there's a bit of a lineup shift, it doesn't matter. Alan Griffin should be starting for the Syracuse team. But, John, I, I, I wonder why Kadari Richmond didn't play any a bit more because Girard struggled so mightily and Syracuse was absolutely getting gashed at the top of the zone. Do you have any explanation for this? Because I wanted to see more of the freshmen. Hey, I was... I was I was slightly impressed with what I saw from this New York City native. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you could even expand that question to, you know, why didn't anybody come off the bench, especially in the second half? Uh, people were tweeting halfway through the, the half that nobody had subbed in for Syracuse at all. And I was like, what? Like, have you ever watched a basketball game where a coach hasn't made a sub in the first half of a half? I mean... That's crazy, right? Um, I was surprised that Syracuse didn't get more more guys in down low in the four and five spots. Jesse Edwards eventually came in, but super late. Him, we saw Anselm a bit, but like none in the second half. John Bolajac, we didn't see him at all. Uh, I was surprised, especially if you're going to say Syracuse is, you know, uh, feeling it a little bit in the conditioning front. They're out of condition, you would say. Why wouldn't you want to sub more? Well, maybe it's just the sort of thing where you keep your starters in and tell them to keep shooting until they find their stroke. That's my only explanation for it, John. That's that's a that's an that's an amazing point. Why why wouldn't you make some substitutions, especially when you have some talented young players on the bench? Uh, I mean, in terms of Richmond, he played well. He was two or two from the field. I mean, he made a three. Like, what else can you ask from him? I like Robert Braswell was clanking shots today, but I like the fact that he was shooting the ball. He was not hesitating. He was putting it up there. Joe Girard was hesitating. He did not look confident until he sunk that big three at the end of the game. And if a player is not confident, I'm taking him out. I don't care who he is, because if he's hesitant, that means he's not going to make snap decisions, and he's going to make the wrong decisions at the end of the day. So if Joe Girard, if there's something in his head because of this 2-for-14 performance, I don't know. I might I might have to let him sit a bit against Niagara and see, see what we have in Kadari Richmond. Unfortunately, I doubt that's the route Jim Beheim will go, though, because it seems like he gives Gerard the longest leash of anybody on this team. And he backed that up in his postgame presser. I just saw a quote uh, on Twitter that that was the worst he'd ever seen Joe play, and he doesn't expect to see it again. So uh, I'm sure he'll be starting against Niagara on December 3rd. And speaking of that game, where does Syracuse go from here? You know, how much stock do you put into this one-point win over Bryant? 
Well, not much, if we're being completely honest. Although it's, it might seem crazy to say because this is a, you know, the, you know, the gif of the dog sitting in the house where everything's burning and he's just like, this is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's how I'm kind of feeling right now because although it's a Bryant team that is not at Syracuse's talent level and, you know, it just seemed like everything went wrong for the Orange in the first half. They got outplayed if we're, if we're going to lay it all out there. I, I do believe Bayheim's claim about the day of the practicing days. It's really rough to keep that team chemistry, especially when you're all just kind of sitting around waiting for COVID test results. You can't really go outside or get in the gym, get shots up. I, I could completely understand how you that would affect your rhythm, right? As someone who doesn't play basketball very often, when I go out and shoot after seven days of not playing, my shot is janky. So these dudes must have just felt a little bit of rust. So yeah. I, I'm with Bayheim on the not playing thing. However, I, I don't know what he's talking about, about how this game shouldn't have been played because apparently Bryant gave them chances to postpone it and they didn't. So, the, you know, I, I'm just kind of shrugging there. I guess we'll have to wait and see what Bayheim and John Wildhack say about that. But and, and I'm not that worried about Syracuse going forward because this next game against Niagara and then Ryder as well will, you know, they'll work the kinks out. I'm pretty sure they'll work the kinks out, but... After that, it's it's going to be test time because they've got Rutgers, a BC team that looked very good against Villanova, and then Buffalo, who is no slouch in the max. So it's it's time for Syracuse to figure some stuff out. And, you know, it's not even just Syracuse struggling. I mean, we saw Virginia go down to San Francisco earlier today. So, you know, yeah, the Dons. There's been, and then, of course, Pitt lost to St. Francis. Uh, so, you know, there's been upsets across the country. Teams are still getting it going. Luckily, Syracuse was not. A victim of an upset today. They prevail 85-84. Uh, final stats here. Syracuse had four players in double figures. We'll just kind of wrap it up with the stats here. Beheim with 23. Dolajai with 20. A career high, like Ian said. Garrier, 15. And Alan Griffin with 14 in his first game on the Hill. So, uh, some pretty uh, pretty consistent scores there. An 85-84 win. Let's kind of just throw it out. Forget it happened. Move on to Niagara, right? I'm, I'm certainly with you there, John. There's no reason to dwell on this if you're a Syracuse fan or a Syracuse player. Flush it. Move on to the next one. All that matters is your 1-0. No, the NCAA tournament will not care. Well, the NCAA committee is not going to care about this one at the end of the day. And now Syracuse will face some key questions. What is Barama Sidibe's status? Can Joe Girard, you know, return to what he was doing as a freshman last year against Niagara? Does Buddy Does Buddy Beheim stay hot? Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Yes. Good question. Yeah. Can Dolajai stay questions. out of foul trouble? He fouled out of nine games last year, and he, he was Nearly pretty tonight. darn close to fouling out of this one. <laughs> I, I think Beheim worked a little magic on the refs there at the end to keep keep his star senior in. SU eighty five to eighty four, a nail brighter over the Bryant Bulldogs, but it's a win nonetheless. Thank you so much for listening to our wrap up here on Fizz Final. Once again, for John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth saying thank you and go Orange. <laughs>